Kyle Sondland and Herbert Konings are founding partners of Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow any investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Welcome back to Security Token Show, episode eight. My name is Kyle Silent. I'm joined by co-host Herwig. Hey everyone, Herwig Konings here. Uh, excited for another week of the latest news, market updates, new offering, and this week's episode discussing the further update on Ripple potentially being qualified as a security and the potential ramifications for the security token industry. Excited to get into it, Kyle. It's really, it's, it's a crazy time right now. I mean, we talked about Kick in a previous episode, and we'll dig into Ripple a little bit later in the show. There are some real serious implications on some of these former offerings and some of their moves, and it may actually provide some interesting light on the future of our industry and how, um, you know, companies can compliantly conduct an offering and, and raise capital, and so it's fantastic. Uh, let's get into it. But first, as always, let's start with the news. So starting off here, it looks like the CEO of the Digital Assets Division, the SDX of the Swiss Stock Exchange, uh, the CEO, Martin Hoblov, has stepped down from his role, serving only less than a year, actually, in the role. But he'll remain on as a senior advisor. Uh, sounds like maybe he wasn't a good fit. But uh, regardless, we'll see who they put into the role. And hopefully this doesn't delay anything going on with the, the SDX development, as we know the Swiss Stock Exchange is a very active proponent globally uh, for the adoption of digital securities. Moving on, we saw that Relex recently announced a, a crowdfunding portal, uh, I think focused specifically around real estate, uh, an announcement to commit to an agreement with the Belarus Currency and Stock Exchange. Um, so that, that's great news. It looks like we now have yet another player globally, uh, one by one, they, they join the ranks. Now Belarus, uh, only a few countries over from Switzerland and fellow European country, uh, join the digital adoption movement here on securities and, and digital assets. Can't stop it. That's right, Kyle. Can't stop it. Next up, we do have an announcement from Republic uh, talking about airdrops with security tokens. Really, actually an exciting subject, uh, a use case that I think is, is going to be used a lot moving forward uh, for security tokens. In this case, we have a company called Althea that's looking to do the very first industry equity airdrop using security tokens through Republic. Republic has gone to say that they have developed a framework for compliantly issuing these securities. Uh, obviously, airdrops were very common in the ICO world and uh, were a great way to promote uh, and incentivize people to participate in an ICO. But in this case, we're talking about aligning people with equity. Um, and not, not only this could be used good to promote their STO, but I think also we're, we're going to see a lot of different use cases around this, Kyle. We're going to see equity um, being used to incentivize not only other shareholders, but also potentially use within the ecosystem upon certain actions. We might see it happen for services and contractor agreements instead of being paid in, in traditional uh, fiat. We might even see it happen with uh, managing your, your shareholders and doing vesting and equity uh, over time. So... I think this is a great, you know, introduction to airdrops, uh, and I'm excited to see reputable companies like Republic 
create frameworks focused around airdrops. This is one of those great use cases for security tokens that is not able to be taken advantage of by current businesses in our financial infrastructure today. And so I actually remember reading Uber and Airbnb both explored options to provide equity to their users and were quickly shut down in the traditional IPO process. It was not something they were allowed to do. It was honestly something that we were shut down day one, but were interested in exploring. And this is a great example of one of those use cases for security tokens that really can benefit these companies that are looking to leverage crowdfunding and, and, and these offerings and, and how they can really provide that value back to their users. I think it really does put pressure on the SEC though to continue to provide clarity on these offerings because are these security tokens able to be airdropped to non-accredited investors? And what happens if they own them but can't sell them and, and all of these different pieces of the puzzle that we still need a little bit more clarity on but love what Republic is doing and think it's a tremendous feature. Republic claims to have figured out uh, the framework at the very least, Kyle. So, you know, at least, you know, people I recommend you go start looking there. In fact, I think that's so major uh, and so milestone moving industry forward that I'm going to make Republic my company of the week. Uh, and I think they deserve it for this. This is really, really big. Awesome. Next up, we have Binance, which reveals that Venus, uh, its own stablecoin platform to rival Libra, uh, is being announced. Uh, and this is being announced with the mission of building a new open alliance and sustainable community with Binance now looking to partner with governments, corporations, technology firms, and other cryptocurrency and blockchain projects in order to develop this new currency ecosystem. So this is a, obviously a major... Uh, war cry against the, the Libra. I mean, it doesn't get any closer to calling it Venus and getting all uh, astrological on us here. Um, so that's definitely a very big move by Binance, and we'll definitely be on the lookout to see who ends up joining them, who ends up partnering with them, uh, and what their strategy is compared to Libra. Another stablecoin, man. I mean, it's great. I think stablecoins do have a huge value in our financial system, but it does beg the question of how many do we really need? If they're all trying to maintain a stable value worldwide, do we really need six of them? Who knows? So in this case, Kyle, it doesn't even look like they're doing trying to do just one. It'll be a series uh, designed around the specific countries and partners that they're working with. So you know, stablecoins are, are hotter than ever. Uh, moving on, we have on the opinion section a couple different articles that came out recently. Uh, one, another major one on VentureBeat. That's now two major uh, securities article, digital securities article on, on VentureBeat recently, which I think is great. Um, in this case, a couple notable people speaking about what the industry is today, and it's mostly you know very accurate uh, and you know trying to mitigate the hype. Uh, around everything, which is that there's no liquidity yet. Security tokens do not create liquidity. You have to create markets around them. Uh, and obviously, the infrastructure has a long way to go despite the potential uh, around the technology. Um, so I'm sure most of our insider listeners here uh, are already used to this and aware of this, Kyle, but uh, nevertheless, a, a good article. Another opinion article by a former Visa Avex, senior VP of Visa Europe, uh, Roel Wolfert. Uh, talked about his outlook on the market on a podcast. 
he left Visa and looks like now is entering the space with Liquith, Liquith.io, which looks to be an issuance platform out of the Netherlands. Uh, and finally, on the opinion section, we actually have uh, an op-ed submitted by a new user here, Token Woken, uh, who submitted on Uptrend his, his own thoughts about the importance of equity. Uh, it's actually a really great article. It's a great overview addressing the ICO community uh, and how they should look at STOs and equity as a standard that traditional markets have already set for investors. Uh, and, it, and it's actually rather comprehensive. So definitely, fellow listeners and readers, go check that out. And welcome to the community, Token Woken. Thanks for joining. Uh, some SEC news here. Specifically, uh, another action uh, uh, basically going towards a company called Veritasium. Uh, they were an ICO back in 2017, I believe, uh, around the bubble. Their very tokens were priced around $470 a piece. Uh, and as of around very recently, they're now worth around $7. Um, the SEC is looking to refund investors of the roughly remaining $8 million of the $14 million raise. Uh, and of course, you know, with very little public response other than a, a classic legal boilerplate saying that they intend to fight this in the courts and uh, we will see what happens and certainly yet another one of these cases that we'll be looking to uh, somehow work around the SEC framework you know, prove to itself that it's not a security uh, and that they did in fact not solicit uh, unregulated securities uh, and sell them. Uh, finally, we are going to end on a couple market reports. Definitely want you all to go check those out. Specifically, a really great overview on the state of security token offerings in Japan. Uh, the quick summary of it is that uh, there are some private transactions going on, no, no public offerings through their current framework, uh, but that there's definitely a, an emerging digital securities industry. Uh, and so we will see uh, more movement out of Japan, hopefully, as, as things go there. And we did see that STO Check announced an update to their market reports that they've been doing, this time with August data. So if you've been following that, uh, Kyle did a, a comprehensive overview of that a couple episodes ago, but definitely go check out the, the new data. With that, Kyle, uh, that looks like this is this week's latest news. I'm looking forward to hearing now about the new offerings. Yeah, well, the industry is really coming along great. As always, the news that we have here that we've already discussed and that I'll move into is sourced from stomarket.com slash news. That's our news aggregator platform through Security Token Market. So just like our contributor Token Woken today, where we've also had other submitters in the past, if you'd like us to review an article or think that there's something relevant for the rest of our community to see, definitely submit that through the platform. You can also upvote posts and comment on things as well and, and get into good conversations with people through that platform. So definitely check out stomarket.com slash news. And so moving forward into the STO news, the, the primary offerings and what's happening with specific security tokens. The first one is actually an update to a story that we had discussed a few episodes back, Herwig. There was a little bit of drama between Dreamer and their IEO, so their exchange offering that they were planning on launching with LA Token. Right. And so I reached out and followed up with, with the Dreamer team after I was unable to get in contact with LA Token. And the Dreamer team did mention to me that they have settled with LA Token, that the dispute has been resolved, that whether there was, was payment owed or, or things like that, all of that has been settled at this point. Um, both sides seem to be content with the situation. That being said, there is not going to be an IEO moving forward. Oh. 
Yeah, so kind of stinks. We were looking forward to seeing how that IEO process would look. We actually did a whole episode on it that you expertly detailed kind of how that, how that might look moving forward. But unfortunately, we're going to have to wait and pump the brakes a little bit there. Moving forward into some new offerings and some new updates, we actually have quite a few here on the docket. The first one being Rise Wealth Technologies. They just announced that they're choosing Securitize for their issuance for their security token. I do know that they are an AI wealth management software and I've raised, I believe, over 11 million, I believe, euros in uh, so far through equity. So successful business. They're building out some great software there and they've got multiple offices across the EU and the US. So they are going to be working with Securitize for their issuance and we'll keep you updated on the terms and, and what that deal really looks like once they get a little bit further in the process, but great for Securitize to continue pushing the industry forward and, and helping these issuers launch their projects. Sounds impressive. I guess fintech investors should go check this one out. Definitely go look it up. I think that Securitize now maybe has, this might be the 12th offering from Securitize, so good for them. Moving forward, Global ID is a security token that is focusing on privacy using biometric identification. So I actually really like this, this space in terms of, of creating some kind of identification, leveraging you know, the blockchain and all of that. Um, and so they're, they're literally looking to tackle that problem. And they, are, they announced that they're using Token Estate for their issuance and HDC Legal um, for their, their legal processes. It is a Swiss-based um, team and a Swiss-based company as well as both Token Estate and HDC Legal are also from Switzerland. So great for them. They, uh, they seem to be selling this offering to retail investors with a minimum investment of 500 francs. So... Um, Again, not exactly sure what regulations they're using there in Switzerland, and it's unclear to me at this point whether it will be available outside of the EU or not. I will definitely give you more updates as I can get more information on the terms of that deal, but if you're in the EU, you're interested in, in this industry, and uh, you want to go check it out, definitely go look. Moving forward, we also have Arise, which is looking to raise 29 million USD in their new security token offering. And so they're a Denmark-based company looking to build a stable coin. You see this trend that's, that's going on across all of these countries around the world in terms of, of addressing this need of a stable coin. And they're looking to raise $29 million for a security token offering, which provides their investors with access to revenue from their business model from the stable coin. Um, so it was a little bit complicated for me to understand exactly what that revenue model looked like. Certainly feel free to look it up and, and research it yourself, but they are launching a security token offering to build their stablecoin, and their revenue model from the stablecoin will reflect in terms of, of revenue to their investors. So again, if you're interested, definitely go look that up. Good for them for, for looking to tackle this problem. We also have Curio Invest, which is a security token focused around the fractional ownership of exotic automobiles. So um, I think the whole premise around this one is that the exotic car market, the you know million dollar plus vehicles, whether it's it's some of these really exotic brands, they appreciate in value tremendously. These are these are you know historically great investments, just like a you know a very expensive watch or fine art, which we've talked about at length before. 
And so Curio Invest is looking to kind of raise essentially what is what it seems to be a fund where they will then purchase these cars and keep them in their collection. And the goal for them is to then sell the cars for a profit. They identify here no less than 120% of the purchase price. And then that, that will be reflected back to their investors. So this is a good way for you to potentially gain exposure into a new asset class that unless you have a million dollars waiting around, um, maybe you wouldn't have had access to. So definitely go check out Curio Invest if you're interested in potentially uh, researching more and, uh, and working with that team. I'm a, I'm a big fan of this one, Kyle. I remember uh, reading an interview on them on, on securities.io. You know, this is a, a great example of a niche asset class getting unlocked through the power of security tokens. Uh, and I, I'm really excited to see how this one does. Definitely. Great, great mention. The link to that article actually is in the description of this podcast, wherever you're listening, whether it's YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Um, anywhere you listen to podcasts, certainly check the description. We include all of the links to all of our articles in the description of the podcast. You can also find more information on stomarket.com slash news. Finally, I have one more STO here for you, Herwig. This is from Zen Sports. Zen Sports is a mobile betting platform, which is, uh, you know, a, a growing industry across just traditional markets as well as in the, the crypto and blockchain space. And Zen Sports is an interesting you know, case study because of the fact that they launched a fully compliant Reg D and Reg S security token that was completed in early 2019. So they, they launched their equity security token for both US as well as international investors, which was completed in 2019. And now, now they announced that they're actually launching a utility token inside of their infrastructure. So I, I, I like this idea because while cryptocurrencies and a lot of these ICOs from 2017 may have been very speculative or may have even been unregistered securities, there is an interesting thought process behind a utility token, whether it's airline miles or whether it's, it's some other kind of in a closed system token that can be, be leveraged for saving fees and, and all of these other you know, great benefits. So they're launching a utility token inside of their platform that actually will also represent a dividend to all of their security token shareholders. So the utility token will be used inside the platform as a way to bet on things and to reach milestones as well as earn bonuses and things like that, but it also will represent a dividend for their shareholders and so that depends on the participation and, and how many utility tokens are used inside of their platform. Um, so it's, it's really an interesting model in terms of leveraging a security token, then having dividends of the security token paying to their investors, and then also leveraging their utility token. Um, so it, it's a complicated structure, but it seems like they, they've really thought this one out and they're really trying to leverage all of these different pieces they also get bonus points because it seems like they have a functioning app on the iOS app store that works, allows you to bet now. So they've built their product and now they're trying to leverage all of these different pieces. And so because of that, they're actually my company of the week. I've been very impressed with the thought that they've put in terms of leveraging all of these different pieces. Um, so definitely if you're into betting, go check out their platform and, and uh, you know, see if you can qualify for, for either investing or, or uh, participating in their utility token. Sounds like a textbook, uh, you know, well-executed security token offering in early 2019, as well as a proper issuance of utility tokens. You know, they, they raise their money compliantly. 
They already had a functioning ecosystem before they're now releasing the utility token. So, you know, this sounds like one of those too good to be true proper use cases of both operating in tandem. So, yeah, I think it's a well-deserved mention uh, and uh, looking forward to you know, getting your update on them uh, whenever they come out. So, yeah, I totally agree. Um, and moving forward, we have a new segment that, that we're going to start integrating into the podcast here. It's, it's a quick one this week, and, and hopefully we can expand this over time. It's actually a market update. So I'm going to give a quick rundown of, of you know, some of the live security tokens and, and what we're seeing in terms of the industry and what we can look forward to moving forward. So since it's the first week, we don't have a ton of historical trends, but I will note that based off of the live security tokens that I'm aware of here in the U.S., the current security token market cap around the world is 148 million U.S. dollars. So it's just shy of 150 million. Incredibly small industry, but this is something that we'll definitely watch moving forward to see how this grows, especially with a lot of these successful security token offerings. I mean, I don't believe that that we have an understanding or of the you know live security tokens potentially in Europe, and and some of these completed raises that will likely be hitting exchanges soon. So. As they reach their secondary trading and as they actually can begin to participate on exchanges around the world, we'll be able to update this. And I can give you some specifics on some of the successful offerings. And so the one that we can talk about now, which we did focus on last week, was T0. And so T0, their weekly trading volume is actually just shy of $200,000 this week, which is actually uh, not too shabby. It's It's... Up from them for, for the last couple of months, they've been well below that. So since they've opened to retail investors, it's, it's seen a spike in participation. The price is down to about $3.75 from that you know, $455 range that we were looking at when it first opened to retail traders, which was expected as there's an initial spike and then potentially a sell-off from some of those long-time holders. But... Um, I think this is exciting and, and Overstock's preferred security token equity option is actually not live on their exchange yet. So potentially as they begin to add more assets onto their exchange, this price will increase and they'll, they'll continue to, to build on their volume. So everything's looking great there. We're also working hard with some of the other live exchanges to get their data for live security tokens around the world. So working with, with a lot of those players now, and, and hopefully we can expand this segment moving forward. Yeah, I mean, we launched the, you know, we announced the, the T-Zero's launch of non-accredited trading last week, and the exchanges are now live, and we see Open Finance adding more tokens. We see movement about other exchanges preparing to go live. We figure now's the time we start tracking this data and, and sharing you guys, you guys and girls the update every week. I guess next, let's move on to our, our final section before the main topic, upcoming events. Uh, we noted here that Investor Crowd is hosting a digital securities event in Singapore on September 6th. So those of you who are in the area or looking for you know one of these global security token conferences, this looks definitely like one to go check out. Investor Crowd is a notable uh, issuance platform and crowdfunding company. Uh, and so it looks like they are, are strategically aligned with Singapore there. And uh, as we know, there's a lot of activity coming out of Singapore with uh, the recently uh, officially approved license exchange expecting to come to market. Uh, so yeah, um, uh, maybe we'll even get a chance to go to that one. I'm not sure we will, but uh, it definitely sounds like a good one. 
Additionally, we also have Security Token Academy's networking event coming up on the 26th of September in New York City. Uh, it does include a good panel, uh, including some friends, including Robin Sosno, uh, Amy Wan, and Adam Chapnick, and, and many more who will be on that panel. So that, that's really great. Uh, that one for sure looks like more one that we're, we're definitely going to try to be there as well. Um, Kyle, any, any comments on your end? Yeah, it's going to be a great opportunity. Let's, uh, I think that we'll definitely try to be there and, and uh, meet up with a lot of our a lot of security token enthusiasts and, and people making great moves in the space. So if you want to go out there, see a cool panel and, and, and meet some great players in the space, it's super tight-knit community. We're all great friends and, and a lot of really smart people building awesome products. So um, definitely try to make it out to either of those events or whenever you can. We'll keep updating you on, on events and, and things that are going on in the space and, and try to make some. In that case, let's move on to the main topic of episode eight here, uh, where there was a recent update uh, to the lawsuit filed earlier against Ripple, where one of the investors claimed that the Ripple token uh, had all the hallmarks of a actual security uh, and is now actually trying to form a class action lawsuit against the company uh, in, in order to reimburse uh, investors for the, the losses and damages for the improper classification. So if you're not familiar or are slightly confused by Ripple and its token, you're not alone. I think that, that most people are slightly confused because most of the terminology is used interchangeably while the company itself really tries to bifurcate the two. And so a brief little rundown on Ripple as an offering is that Ripple Labs is the parent company which is looking to build a financial product to be leveraged by institutional businesses. This financial product is called XRP. It's often referred to as Ripple, but they will make sure to clarify that it is not Ripple. The offering itself is XRP. And so XRP is meant to be easily exchangeable between any fiat or crypto and to allow a seamless transition for banks and institutional players around the world. And so, Herwig, what's the current price of XRP and what's the market cap of that for, looking like? Now, for those of you who don't know or have not heard of Ripple before, this is the third largest known cryptocurrency that's tracked in the world. Uh, it's got a $12 billion, or 12, yeah, $12 billion market cap. Wow. Um, you know, expansive for a private company offering what essentially sounds like a stable coin to interact between institutions. Um, and uh, notably, it does have a very large supply. It, it is known back in the, the ICO bubble days and the ICO craze as kind of the penny stock that could appreciate very largely instead of paying $6,000 at the time or more for, for a Bitcoin, why not uh, pay 30 cents for a Ripple and see it what at one point I believe was around $3 or more. Um, so it, it does see its own fair share of volatility for what is meant to be a institutional stable coin. <laughs> um, and uh, that, that is really the, the scoop on the coin there, Kyle. Yeah, so they've drawn some serious scrutiny because... As you mentioned, at one point it was three or four dollars, and now it's down to to back to twenty or thirty cents. And 
people are not sure about whether this is a security or not because as we've identified, it's never been very clear whether Ripple Labs, the parent company, had any impact on the token and, and, and it certainly seemed like it may have. They did plenty of marketing efforts to help boost the adoption of the token, but I think that it seemed like their methodology was to boost the price and, and boost the market cap of the XRP token to prove that this was a successful institutional stablecoin or maybe not even stablecoin, but institutional financial product instead of maybe focusing on actually building adoption or, or providing the services that the, the institutions needed. I think that when they first launched, there was a ton of support from what I had seen from many banks, but now we've seen that JP Morgan might be launching their own coin. Facebook's trying to launch an institutional Libra token. Goldman Sachs has always been kind of waiting in the wings. And a lot of these players seem to be looking for other solutions because for whatever reason, the, the Ripple solution wasn't exactly what they were looking for. So fast forward to today, and we've been provided with a lot more context from the SEC on how these things should be handled, how these tokens and investment vehicles should be handled, including their token framework that was published earlier in this year, which says that companies are responsible for unregistered securities, even if they don't stand to gain from the offering. And so when I was reading into this, this token framework I actually was stumbled upon an article from Coinbase that cited Jake Travinsky's general counsel at a crypto lending startup, Compound Finance, who clarified saying that even if company A sells a token on the promise that purchasers will profit from company B's efforts, the token could still be a security even if company A has nothing to do with the product even after the token has been issued. And so this is one of those situations where it seems like Ripple is trying to defend itself by saying that Ripple Labs has nothing to do with XRP and that they're not related. But yet we see from this token framework, it seems like these companies still can be held responsible for, for this kind of action, even if they try to, to show that there's no link there. And so this, cl this clarity does provide some, some extra evidence for the lawsuit against Ripple. And it doesn't look that promising right now, Herwig. No, I, I think I remember reading this as well, where, where they have compiled a, a number of uh, different arguments as to why this you know, clearly uh, is actually a security, including tweets from the, the executives themselves uh, correlating this to a security. Obviously, uh, what Kyle, you just mentioned, would also deem it a security. Um, and even from a, a SEC advisor as well around digital assets had mentioned that an event that, you know, specifically around stable coins and the, this type of issues, there's a concern around when a central party has the influence or manipulation potential or central controls, if you will, to affect the investor's potential on the, the price. So again, this is a situation where Ripple Labs uh, holds a tremendous amount of this uh, token uh, to the point where they actually have done historically a lot of burning of tokens, a lot of uh, you know things that would be considered manipulation of the price. Um, so uh, you're right, Kyle. It, it doesn't look very good, um, and all of this is very very important because of the things that are going on with Quick Kick, because of what just happened with uh, the Veritas token. 
we're seeing the, the SEC trying to enforce and lay down the current law, um, but there's a clear ambiguity in around issuers' understanding of what framework needs to be followed, how to follow it, and how to stay within compliance and separate and have a distinction between what is a cryptocurrency and what is a security token. Uh, and the result of this being the third largest uh, cryptocurrency in the world, this one takes serious uh, spotlight. It takes the stage. Uh, so whatever happens here will certainly uh, now drag the SEC into it, I think. Uh, and this could be a really good thing. It could be the, the way that the SEC is now forced to create a distinction between what is a utility token, what is a cryptocurrency, what is a security token, how do you operate both in tandem if that's what's necessary, uh, and hopefully create you know, the so desired framework U.S. issuers look for in understanding you know, how to issue a stable coin, how to issue a utility token, how to issue a security token, uh, without any fear of repercussion. Um, and thus, this might actually, this lawsuit, this private lawsuit might actually, you know, force Ripple to be the ones that help define STOs and the differences, uh, which could be, obviously, as we've been talking about, a major deal. That's what organizations and governments all around the world are now looking to do to standardize and define in a legal context what is a, a tokenized security versus the latter or vers versus a virtual asset, et cetera. Um, and there's clearly still enough ambiguity here, Kyle, in the U.S. that it's leading to issues like this. And I mean, if, if there is any movement on this and Ripple does get classified as a security, Kyle, I think we're going to see a whole lot of class action lawsuits fly out afterwards to a whole bunch more uh, different issuers. So we're, we're really keen on, on seeing where this one goes. Yeah, it definitely sets a incredible precedent no matter which way this ruling goes. I, n neither you nor I are lawyers, but I think what we do know is that these cases do seem to take a while. So I'm not expecting any updates on this in the next couple of months. It seems like this is definitely going to be something that takes a while. Ripple does have an opportunity to respond to the, the allegations and to the, the lawsuit. So we'll, we'll definitely give an update based off of how they respond and, and what they say. But it is something that, that will force us to really take a hard look at what is a cryptocurrency, what is a security token, what is a stable coin, right? We've mentioned that, we've hinted at it. Stable coins are asset-backed tokens, right? So in, by definition, it seems like a stable coin is a security token, and, but how does, that re, how does that relate to currencies? How does that relate to Bitcoin, which has been described before as not a security by the SEC. So it, it does require us to really start to figure out exactly you what these things are. Add a layer to the cake, Kyle. What, what about a stable coin that isn't just pegged to a, a commodity, but now gets used as a currency? You know, many of the purposes of stable coins is to use as an alternative to paying with fiat or something else. So are you being regulated by FinCEN? Are you being regulated by the CFTC? Are you being regulated by the SEC? Or is it all three? Uh, and how do you, you know, navigate those waters? So be it if it's a lot of compliance and costs, at least there would be clarity to how an issuer can do it as opposed to, you know, having to become a pioneer and take a risk and interpret the law as best you can. 
Um, so the, that's why this is such a compounding argument here uh, for the entire industry. And, you know, as, as you're right, Kyle, this has been a, a lawsuit that's been going on for quite a while already. So we, we will see uh, as it take, takes its own course over time here. Very, very interesting stuff. I think that there's a lot that we need in terms of clarity from the regulators. But regardless of that, we're seeing great progress in the security token space all around the world. And, you know, props to the SEC and to all of these other regulatory bodies around the world for providing some clarity, providing some context to the point where we see a lot of issuance platforms that are moving forward with token offerings. We're seeing exchanges go live and being able to host these assets. And so we're making great progress. And this is just another piece of the puzzle we're going to have to navigate. It's something that you just need to face as technology expands and as fintech becomes a real player compared to traditional financial systems. And so if they're going to have to upgrade all of their infrastructure, we're also going to have to upgrade our regulations and, and the clarity on, on how we, we move forward with these offerings. So very interesting stuff. Ripple may define STOs in terms of, of forcing the SEC to provide the clarity, but the reality is that that likely will be a very good thing for, for us moving forward. Nothing like seeing the capital markets thrive off of innovation and, and technology and seeing the regulation catch up to it. So let's hope that's the case. We'll always be your, your source of information. Hope to see you tune in next week. And thanks again for another great episode. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.